Hi, this is Mike. I was just calling to see if that job that you offered was still available. Yes. A security guard. I will take anything. This place was huge in the 80s with the kids. They shut it down years ago. The owner's just not ready to let it go yet. I will work and you will sleep. I understand. Give me your hand. Okay. You must be a new security guard. Can I uh, help you, officer? Have you met them yet? Met who? Them. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Welcome back, ma'am, fam. Happy Halloween. Happy spooky season. We're wrapping it up here with perhaps the biggest movie of spooky season history. Oh yeah, it's Five Nights at Freddy's. And I don't even know where to begin with this one. Uh, I don't know if you do, but if you do, feel free to you know take the reins here and, and lead us through <laughs> uh, this, I have, this uh, franchise. I have no background with this. I know, I know what it is because there are action figures of it and... I'd see those and be like, what the heck is this? And then turns out it's a very, very popular video game that I just had no, I did not know about at all. Coop's not in the demographic for this. This is um, like, I think they're still releasing these relatively regularly, but not his, not his jam to begin with. But also I think like, I think the first one came out in like 2014 or something. So yeah, um, this is, if you were a, 10 to 13 year old in 2014 or 2015. I think this is a major, major part of your, uh, your preteen and teenage years. That's not Coop necessarily. So uh, he would never make it through one of these games anyway. He's such a was just like me. So, um, yeah, I had, I had, I no, no background on this other than knowing that it existed. And at some point, like seeing these action figures and looking them up, like, what the heck is this based on? Um, and then knowing that this movie is coming out and then they did, you know, look, they did an interesting strategy, um, putting it on, on Peacock, um, in, in the same day that uh, sub- subsequently to it, to interesting it, uh, or dumb theaters. And well, I mean, it works, <laughs> you know, they made, they, they made 70, I mean, it's $78 million. Right. But could they have made more? I don't no, know. No, what, what, I don't yeah. know what the adv- advantage these days anymore of putting it on Peacock is. They get the write-off the, for putting it on streaming, and then no one sees it because no one can figure out how to play anything right. on Peacock. It's, it's just a home screen that yeah. shows yeah, the you same things, day. There's, right. there's no play now button, and then <laughs> yeah. and the next thing you know, it's you're just watching right. like Irish rugby. Can't get the subtitles off. I mean, yeah. it's just it just keeps <laughs> keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I look. I mean, I think it was a smart play. This is uh, this is the deal with horror movies, man. Like I, I gotta believe we're headed to every week. There's a new horror movie coming out because they are the only bankable movies right now. I mean, this is a twenty million dollar budget, and it made a hundred and thirty million dollars worldwide opening weekend, plus whatever it got for the streaming side of things. You know, so that's like we don't see. Movies don't make money anymore. Like we don't see this at all. Killers of the Flower Moon this week made nine million dollars. I mean, it's because all the the target audience went to go see Five Nights at Freddy's. I saw a thing. Somebody posted in the Discord that it. uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. I want to make sure I get the number right. 
Vamp, vamp. No, it's. I it saw a was... retirement home bus, and I was like, "Oh, everyone's going to see Killers of the Flower." Nope, they're all just going to see Freddy's. <laughs> I mean, like, there was a re-release. Is this of... the way to Fozbear's? <laughs> there was a re-release of Nightmare Before Christmas that made almost as much as Killers of the Flower Moon wow. this weekend. I mean, it's just like really brutal. Ninety-four uh, percent of the audience in theaters for Five Nights at Freddy's was under the age of thirty-five. So, wow. Yeah, it got look. It hit the it hit the demo. Really well. We'll get into whether the movie's good or not, but I I mean, I respect the crap out of knowing who the audience is and selling to that audience, man. They did a great job with that. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not surprised it made a ton of money. It was the perfect strategy for them in terms of the time they released it, Halloween weekends. I mean, everybody's looking for something to do with their friends on this weekend. And even if it was available on streaming, I think there still is, believe it or not, something to let's get a group of friends and I'll go to the theater and I'll sit mm-hmm. by you and, you know, I'll, you'll sit by the girl you like and or what have you. I think there's still something to those <laughs> things. And people mm-hmm. decided that this was something that they wanted to go do on Halloween weekend with their friends. Sure. And yeah. surely that paid off in dividends. I think one of the smartest strategies with this was keeping it PG-13. Mm-hmm. knowing that mm-hmm. fact, knowing that this yeah. is going to be something that kids, if not high school kids and younger are going to want to see or get their parents to take them to see and their parents not be worrying about what it is, knowing that it's PG-13, I think is huge in terms of the uh, box office. Maybe this could have been better. Actually, I know this could have been better. We'll get into that after we talk numbers, but I know this could have been better if it was rated R. <laughs> But mm. I think it probably makes half as much. And I think this was a pure money play, an IP play for Blumhouse to see if this had anything. Did people care? And turns out they do. So and I'm surprised they like only spent $20 million on this because they, they should have known like with Halloween that this was going to make more than $20 million worldwide. <laughs> and it was it, a, you know, and they've been real. They've been a little, uh, what do you call it? Um there's been a, a, a bit of like, uh, who's the three-piece suit guy? Yeah. Paul Feig. And then I'm like, who's, uh, oh gosh, I can't even think of anything. Who's the guy who played Chuck? <laughs> Brian, help me out. My brain's on fire in the night. <laughs> Zachary <laughs> Levi. Okay. There was, a, there was a little Zachary Levi, Paul Feig, Paul Feig on the defense of this with the critics. They're like real kind of butthurt that this uh-huh. didn't get great reviews. And it's like, uh-huh. it's fine. It didn't. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they seem really like flustered by that, but it's a huge win for them. We'll pay for a bunch of other, maybe more interesting, risky movies that they'll do. And they're they're IP and they're franchises, but they're like not lazy ones. There's one, they're kind of, at least for a a large audience, kind of undiscovered and underutilized, but they have a huge following and, and, uh, and it did really well. So, so I think it's a, it's a great business play by them, but on all front, but maybe artistically is less than what we've come to expect from from one mouse, but that's okay. That's what pays for stuff. Mm-hmm. Shrek yeah, paid it, for Shrek four paid for like a million things that, right. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I had seen this merch out there too, Brian. I had no idea what it was. I thought either it's a graphic novel or like an adult, an adult swim cartoon. That's kind of what mm-hmm. I thought it was too. Like something yeah. that comes out, comes on at like 1am that I have just never seen, but it's you know, weirdly like, like 11 Park minutes back in long. The day, like it's weirdly like popular in high schools, like Rick and Morty or something. So mm-hmm, I thought that mm-hmm. maybe that was the case, but turns out video game. 
actually those kind great. of shows always have like 107 seasons of three episode seasons that are each right. four yes, minute right. long. And you're like, I don't understand how any of this. And they're is. big for like five years and like a really <laughs> small niche with like That's high school all boys. of the I cartoons the from when we were kids yeah. are, by the way. Like if you go and you look at pretty much every cartoon from the 80s and 90s or early 90s, it'll be like uh, two seasons, uh, 743 episodes. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, what? You made all of these from 1991 to 1993? Like, we did. Jeez, man. Sweatshops were really rocking. Yeah, they're just cranking. Yeah. And then they just re-ran them for like seven yes. years in the Forever. 90s. From 95 yes. to 2000, yes. it was just reruns of everything they produced for the first yeah. few years of the 90s. So <laughs> we saw so, saw so many. Inventory. Every Rugrats I saw like 55 times in <laughs> The Simpsons too. <laughs> it's right. just they were friends all of those yeah. they were man but when that one time like one popped up you're like i haven't seen this one before. i haven't seen yeah. this before oh, exactly yeah. yeah haven't seen this darkwing new duck. one yes. whoa oh. yes. whoa yeah. yeah once once like one of the new ones finally gets into syndication uh-huh. one of the yeah. newer seasons is a big yeah. it's a big or the feeling the whole time of have i seen this before uh, right, like right. your guards up the whole Seems time a like little this familiar is, yeah um <laughs> what a time I, w- I will admit i think this is a really fun idea for a video game uh, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. I think all the all of this is really fun. Playing off the late '80s, early '90s nostalgia is is great. What was the the uh, movie with Kyle Mooney, Brigsby Bear? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That kind of yeah. did this, but with a, a more of a Barney type character than Chuck E. Cheese, but it had some Chuck E. Cheese elements to it with a mm-hmm. with animatronic band, I believe, or something like that. And so, uh, yeah, I think a, a play on that is really fun, funny for a horror video game, especially. I think that's a cool twist on making nostalgia of that. So to make a movie of that is an obvious play. Why the critics were so hard on this is this should, they took this way too serious. Whoever made this, you took this material. This is <laughs> a, about a freaking animatronic Chuck E. Cheese that's gone haywire. I mean... There should not be any emotional music cues in this movie, <laughs> you know, like this maybe it's because it's not rated R and they couldn't lean into the humor or the violence for humor. And so they had to have everything be watered down. Mm-hmm. And so this wasn't a straight horror comedy. It was more like a something like Stranger Things or It was kind of going for. Yeah. By the way, It and It too are the only uh, movies that did better opening weekend in the horror genre than this one. Mm. Uh, So yeah, I think I'm kind of in this one where I was with Cocaine Bear. Like it's freaking Cocaine Bear. You need to lean into it a little (laughs) bit more. Have freaking more fun with it. Cocaine Bear. Yes. Yeah. This should have been, for lack of a better term, Bat S Crazy. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was really tame, really kind of lame, uh, but it had potential. And maybe they do an R version down the line. I thought, huh, I don't think there's any way people are going to be satisfied with this, sadly. Even though I think it's a really fun kind of franchise that I didn't know about. Brian, I'll throw it to you. Brian's like, this is the perfect horror movie. <laughs> I'm surprised you were I into this. Keep, it didn't keep me up at night. I yeah. didn't cry. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this is A plus. Yeah. Um, I have no complaints. Yep. Um, better no, than like, Hereditary. Think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So much better than Hereditary's Wikipedia, guys. Oh man. Um, 
the yeah like i'm with you kid i have to i feel like we have to acknowledge too like we're not the we're not the target audience for this for this sure is, i've never felt i had a moment like where audience. i was like yeah i had a moment where i was like i don't know that there is a target audience for this and then i realized how many 15 year olds there are in the world you know they're just like this is the you're always telling me you're always giving me those exact stats <laughs> yeah you always be just, like richard did you uh-huh. know there's 42 yeah. million 15 year olds in the world. I was like, yeah, all right, man. Yeah, cool, man. It's Mavs Rockets. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the tickets. Did you see that screenshot I sent you? Um, anyway, I think you're totally right, Kane. Like, and you look at, I haven't read any reviews. I haven't listened to any. I never do, but I pull up uh, Rotten Tomatoes right when we're about to record just to see like kind of a general vibe and look through the the blurbs. And they're pretty much all like, not scary enough, not funny enough. So it's like pick one or the is other, it, but yeah. this sort of middle ground is the hard thing. And I'm like, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. I also think... I don't even think this was trying not, to be funny. Target I think it would be better if they tried to be funny with it. More funny. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it could... But, but, I, but I feel like it has to be acknowledged. Like 26% with critics, 89% with audiences. Yeah. So I don't yeah, know if that's the game's totally, I'm totally wrong. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I just... I think that, that we're just not the people that are... We're not. This movie's not made for us, and that's totally that's totally fine. I, I I think that there's some stuff here that's fun. I'm with you. I probably would have either. I probably would have either leaned harder towards the horror element, and I would not be on this review with you guys, or lean into making it more campy or fun, or just I don't even mean camp as much as just like this is a fun concept, um, and maybe just play into that a little bit more of how how weird and ridiculous this this idea is and that becomes if not funny then at least like more fun than this is um it's not it's not without fun it's not it, i don't think it takes itself too seriously necessarily i just think it is striving for exactly what they got which is a PG-13 movie that um kids who have either are still playing this game or have like you know, it's weird to have nostalgia for something when you're 15, you <laughs> know, sometimes that's the that, most effective nostalgia. It, absolutely. Because- absolutely. And I'm telling you, like, as a parent of a 10 year old, like Coop has these moments of nostalgia. And it's so funny for me to yeah, watch of sure. like, he's in a big Phineas and Ferb kick again right now. He hadn't watched Phineas and Ferb in a year, maybe more. And then all of a sudden he's just like, this is my favorite show again. And you can just tell by watching him watch the show that he's like, reliving his childhood which Mm -hmm. is really silly because he's still a child um i think that they knew exactly what they're going for and that audience you gotta stick true it's gotta stay pg-13 it can't get over that maybe this audience isn't gonna under not understand but isn't gonna appreciate if we try to make this more traditionally campy like the way that a lot of horror movies can Mm -hmm. be and things like that. Like we're shooting for this specific group of people and we trust that they're going to come out and watch this movie. And they did that. And, and you know, they got a huge, huge return on it. I think it's one of the smartest, I think it's one of the smartest made films of the year, despite the fact that I don't think it's very good. It's, it's a very, it's an interesting concept in, I don't even think it's cynical. I saw some people being like, yeah, it's pretty cynical. And I'm like, I disagree. I just think they know who their audience is. And, you they knew they had to, to make audience. it PG thirteen. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's it, it. had to be PG thirteen, yeah. and it had to be kind of straight like this, you know. And and I think and sincere. Yeah, and so it, look, the result of that is is a twenty six percent audience score and eighty nine percent, or excuse me, twenty six percent critic and eighty nine percent audience. And I, I, I mean, 
Yeah. In in a lot of ways, I th- I I commend them for figuring that out. It's it's kind of perfect on that front. And most critics, right? To your point, to the generational divide, most critics are either millennial or Gen X, mm-hmm. who are arguably the two most allergic to sincerity audiences ever, unless it's done perfectly well with like zero misses. Like it is the riskiest thing you can do to like those two generations to be like kind of, you know, modeling or whatever and not land it 150% because we will destroy you Mm -hmm. uh, because we are what, for whatever reason, uh, because of everything that was the culture of the nineties and two thousands, like allergic to that. But like an audience that like is used to this the tone of these video games, which I'm not familiar. I don't know how like that is, but like you know, or like people crying and like sharing their sincere feelings on TikTok for seven hours. Like those, mm-hmm. like what we see is like such such cringy swells of music, and like that's why that was such a funny note. Like, yeah, this doesn't need to have any emotional heartstring. It's a it's a movie about Chuck E. Cheese, but maybe there's something to the recipe. You know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You need a uh, moment where the, you got to put the arm around the girl, though. I mean, I get that. Absolutely. <laughs> you you absolutely. do have to hit some of the horror movie cliches. Sure. And sure. this sure did. It does. Richard, you're not a Five Nights at Freddy's guys, but mm-hmm. I mean, the shelf you have of showbiz pizza place memorabilia <laughs> yeah, is. Thank you. Is a little intense. It's second only my crystal shelf. Yeah. Yes. There's something uh, unintended. There's always been. And this is what this plays on, of course. There's always been something unintentionally creepy about those animatronic characters. And I'm surprised this is the first time this has been played up to this level mm-hmm. as a theatrical horror movie. I guess Chucky has kind of done it. We did it this earlier this year, I think, with Megan, which is kind of a robot AI Chucky. So I think this is the extreme extreme version i just didn't find the horror like they're so slow i mean it's not hard to outrun these things at all because they're nine feet tall and um they didn't have like chainsaws or anything guns anything like that so it was more just like maybe they get you into their little electric chair that cuts your face off thing that was pretty creepy i think it's cool yeah but yeah, I didn't find them very threatening either. Maybe again, that's a a case of it is in the video game, but they can't do it for the movie. Which I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure the video game's really violent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would assume so. Yeah. I, I was with Instead, you. Instead, they it's just so turn it I, into. Re- Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was just gonna say I was 100 percent with Kent I, until I saw this and came out of it and researched it. I thought it was a graphic novel for sure. It's like, oh, video game. I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm a little more attuned to video games. I don't play them, but I feel like Same. I'm aware of their existence more than graphic novels. So, and I was not aware of this one, which is not its fault. It's my fault. I'm old. And uh, yeah, I was. I was. I had the exact. It's so funny you said that. I was like, oh yeah, it's definitely seen. I was like, if if it's not manga, it's it's a graphic novel. It's one of those two things for mm-hmm. sure. So, what do you guys think of the casting here? We had Josh Hutcherson of Hunger Games fame in the lead, and. Matthew Lillard of Scooby Doo fame. Yeah. Slash Trouble with the Curve, Brian. <laughs> and, Trouble um, with the curve. <laughs> that hurts. Ugh. Ugh. You know, I it's guess funny. We, 
the, what an awful movie. Real quick on that, Kent, because I Brian is such an interesting point earlier, and I think it's so true that that the rawness of like recent nostalgia, because you haven't felt nostalgia before when you're this like young adult audience, and it's such a like any emotion when you feel it for the first time, it's a billion times more raw than you know. True. Um, yeah, they're having that nostalgia hit. We're yeah. having the nostalgia hit for Chuck E. Cheese. They're having it for. The, the video game that they and, grew up and, playing. And Josh Hutcherson too. Like that's yes. a really interesting casting piece. Like this yeah, is someone true. when they, you know, if you're a 20 year old um, watching this and into the, that played this game, he was like the biggest movie star when you were 11, weirdly <laughs> for like 18 <laughs> months, you know, for that group of people. Like, <laughs> so that's such an interesting piece of casting. Like it's, I think very intentional and smart and all of that, but it's, it, it's, it's funny because it's, it's, it is, it's like, Hey, it's weird to think that 20 year olds are having mm-hmm. or 17 year olds even are having this nostalgic moment. Um, and it's probably really raw and really exciting. Like 2004, if you had put Henry Rowan Gardner in a horror movie, we would have been <laughs> fired up about it. You know what I mean? But like, do it now. Yeah. But it, it's, it's just, and we would have thought it was like the, it would have meant so much more to us. Whereas now you like identify the feeling, you're aware of it. You're more cynical of what they're trying to do. Like, Nostalgia uh-huh. has more and more diminishing returns. And then maybe it picks up again, maybe when we're really old, because uh, it's like true then um, of a mm-hmm. different time. But that I think that recent nostalgia thing is so funny. We were talking about it last week, I think, with Brian talking about Coop. It's so funny how that's all come together. But anyway, sorry, I wanted to note that with the Hutchinson oh, piece. Go cool. ahead. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And that's a great reasoning probably for him being in this. I don't even know if I've seen him in anything else but The Hunger Games. Now that I think about it, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to think. But this kind of made me think, yeah, this guy might have something. That's really odd. I think I thought he was pretty right? good in this. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know that's weird, but this yeah. isn't really easy to do. It's a super odd movie, and I thought he he was pretty good. Maybe like the uh, later years of Josh Hutcherson will be very fruitful for him. And he didn't quite have the young movie star thing down in hunger games. He was like the fourth lead in that or something. He was like even behind Hemsworth or B team Hemsworth. Right. So yeah. And not even to go like full, uh, uh, like NBA scout, but if he was just like five, eight and not five, three, he'd be a way bigger movie star, but he's so little, right. He's he's drowned out by the, the Egertons and yeah. Uh, Onghort, there's Onghort, and Alden Arnreichs. There's too many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they blend together, and he right. he's Coveney. a casualty of that. But yeah, he might he might have something. Yeah, he's decent. He's good. He's good. Before we get into spoilers, though, I I did think the song choice for the band was was talking in your sleep. I thought that was a uh, mm-hmm. my favorite part of the movie. Probably it's fun. Yeah. There's an example of how we can have a little bit of fun with this that maybe we didn't capitalize on all that much through the rest of the movie. Yeah, you got to you can kind of find a song that is just as oddly unsettling as the characters are in that song. There's nothing like overtly weird about it, but it's like when you go back and you hear it, and you're like, oh yeah, that is kind of a creepy song when it's put to those uh, visuals. And I'm sure it'll have a huge weekend on Spotify because every kid's gonna go home and listen to it for the first time. Yeah. That's a song they've never, probably never heard, which is great. Uh, let's Concur. get into spoiler here. So spoilers coming up if you haven't seen this and want to see how it ends. Uh, I, I thought there was going to be some kind of twist in this. 
a reveal, <laughs> if you will? Did it surprise you, the reveal, Brian, at the end? No. Um, I think that's a, a I, product of our age, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was, it was pretty... Look, I... Two things on that. One, uh, we're just like the B plot of this is that like a child molester killed all these kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. Gotcha. Oh, and now we're demonetized forever. Thank you. I had like a few, (laughs) I had a few people reach out, like text me or message me like, Hey, is this appropriate for my kid? And I had to be like, what's your kid like? Like, what are, I mean, what are we, I mean, Coop? No. Um, but if, you know, if, (laughs) if you watch. I don't know. Like one of our somebody reached out and they were like, "Yeah, he really loves these games." Like, and he's probably going to be fine with it. But it surprised me that the sort of the underlying plot of this whole thing is child kidnapping. Um, so that was that was odd. But now, it, like, it didn't surprise me. I like Matthew Lillard. I've, I think he's in a Flanagan movie coming up. I think he's a pretty good actor. Um, and I think that he, if, especially when he's in the right situation, he can be both weirdly charismatic and creepy um so i i like i like his combination of i i'm i'm buying stock in in his next uh the next phase of his career but no it didn't surprise me it's like when he first goes into that um the interview office and he makes such a big deal about the the guy's last uh josh hutcherson's last name Mm -hmm. um and then within like five minutes you get a reveal on okay this kid got kidnapped and i was like all right that's gonna end up being the the deal. That's not usually how I operate. I try. I kind of try not to think ahead too much of the movie and stuff. But it was, it was pretty obvious to me that he was going to end up being a. And in part of that too, though, to I think you you kind of said this. It's like this is not a movie that's really taking chances or swinging for anything. So it, I think when you're in that situation where like this is going to be pretty one note you know then it's it's easier to kind of bet on yeah this is probably how this ends up going but no it didn't didn't surprise me i didn't think it was a bad twist i just it didn't surprise me either i was gonna say it didn't surprise us because of our age because you cast him as that role because of scream right because he's the (laughs) he's the killer in scream and so it's this payoff for the adults in the audience of like oh okay i get what i see what they did there this guy's either with Scooby Doo or a murderer, no in between. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's that's that's all we know him as, right? So, yeah, that's. I thought like when Hutcherson shows up at uh, Freddie Fosbear's. First of all, it takes him like thirty minutes to get there. Like this movie should have started a little quicker than it does, mm-hmm. uh, but he knew a lot about the place. I was like, does this guy an employee? Is he a recruiter or is he, does he own this place? Cause he's like, all right, mm-hmm. first you got to go mm-hmm. turn on the power. And then you like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that was my first clue as the, this guy's probably in on it. So yeah, my wife thought it was going to be the girl friend mm. as mm. she was going to be behind it. What, but it turned what out, up by the way? What up? Yeah. It turned out she, <laughs> what's her deal? I guess her dad is this bunny character and I'm assuming Again, I don't know, but I'm assuming in the video game that's some kind of boss or big character in the game. And mm-hmm. the reveal of that is probably meant a lot to some people that might have known that character. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I am, again, I'm surprised, Brian. You were, you were kind of into this one because like, it yeah, like it, it'd be a little too creepy. 
Nah, I mean, I watched it at home at 10 o'clock in the morning, so that was that was helpful. Oh, there nice. are a lot of jump scares here. I'm sure in theater they would have got me pretty good. I don't enjoy jump scares, but they don't typically bother me later. So that's that's the deal. Yeah, this was, you know, this, <laughs> I'm the appropriate age for this movie. Because, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, I think there are definitely some things that could be done here maybe pretty easily to make this a better movie, to make it, uh, certainly to make it creepier and scarier. But again, I'm I'm giving it some credit for just like, hey, this is what we're going for, and we're just gonna do that exactly. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I I I get that. I appreciate that to some to some level. Um, and I think that there's some value in in doing that kind of thing. So, and there, this is kind of a, you mentioned it right off the top, Kent. This is a fun idea. The, I was looking the, forward the to this. Like, I was like, I saw the trailer and I was like, man, that looks yeah. fun. Oh, I, of all the horror movies movie... I have to go see or yeah. that are out there, yeah. like this is. This has a little bit of fun, different twists, different IP, different ideas mm-hmm. for a horror movie. And I'm all for that. I think that they could have made this movie for us um, and it would have been a better movie and it would have made $20 million. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a smart, really smart play. This could have been something that you that you really advertise. Hey, it's on Peacock. Like it's coming mm-hmm. to Peacock. You gotta, you know, like they did with Halloween too, but yeah. you really need to check it out on, on, on Peacock. You know, you could have, yeah, like Halloween. Exactly. You could have, you could have easily seen it going that direction. Um, and I think there's a pretty decent chance that it's like a, that we have a higher opinion of the movie in terms of its overall quality, not just like it's, it's marketing strategy or whatever, but it made $140 million in opening weekend. That's so it made honestly right made choice. twice as much as I thought it would in the U S I mean, if I was to guess, I'd be like, yeah, if it does well, it makes 40 to 50 million. And I would have thought a 30 million yeah. open would be like, oh my gosh, yeah. how pumped are they? They made 30 million opening weekend with it being on Peacock and a $20 million budget. Like, oh my gosh, they're crushing this, you know? Amazing. Yeah. It's a huge success on that front. So hopefully the lesson that Hollywood learns from this is not- More animatronic movies? Let's find <laughs> video games on Steam that are trending and turn them into movies. Hopefully it's mm-hmm. let's get low budget horror movies with an interesting twist and release them around Halloween that people can go <laughs> enjoy. I think that's more the reason for the success than, uh, I mean, obviously people knew the video game, but I think at right timing of the year, yeah. right release strategy, everything kind of worked in its place. And hopefully, agree. Yeah. you know, the low, the, the $20 million thing I think is the key with all of this is that if you can do something like this and keep it cheap, I think um, you can there. Of course there will be a sequel for this. Right. So mm-hmm. they're probably uh, this thing was shot this year. Yeah, this is not something that should have yeah. five writers, by the way, I can't believe <laughs> there's five people that wrote mm. this thing. It seems like it shouldn't be that hard, but yeah, apparently they, by the time the rewrites were done, they weren't shooting this thing basically till February of this year. <laughs> it's already out and has made a lot of money. So I'm sure they can crank another one of these out For very sure. quickly. Yeah. And they will. Yeah. They teased it something at the end that I didn't I didn't really get the kind of post credit, but people that are into this series were really excited about. So yeah. I'm sure there are definitely we we're getting five more of these things, probably. I mean, with this kind of success rate. You get Freddie Prince Jr. involved in the next one. Yeah. You know? Hey. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. All right. Senator Michelle Geller, maybe. See what she's up to. Well, I say that because not Linda Cardellini, obviously. No, she's she's too high. 
uh, above this. There's no way. If you want to spend fifty million on the budget, then you can get Linda, but she's got a price. I mean, these types of movies, these low budget horror movies, everybody. This seems to be what all the studios want to do now. In fact, there's just a big bidding war for, I believe, Halloween. Right? Yeah. Please stop. Please don't do this anymore. I can't. And I think um, I can't do more. A twenty four has the rights to. Friday the 13th, which they just released a trailer to the series they're doing. I believe it's on Peacock called Crystal Lake. It's like a mm. Friday the 13th something. So I think they're seeing the potential in, oh man, let's make seven horror movies and spend a total of $100 million. And I think we'll do pretty well on that return. So they're looking for IP and low budget stuff that they can do and asking for pitches and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to start seeing... Maybe a little horror resurgence come out. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's the only bankable genre right sure. now. It gets, not to say that there aren't other movies that make money and make a lot of money, like, but I mean, so few horror movies at this point are not coming out profitable at the end of the day. And then, you know, these, you only need one of these to be like really profitable and you're, you're set. I mean, your, your budget's in line for a good long time. It's the, it's, it's become what comic book movies were for a decade, you know? It's like, yeah, we got to... But they don't cost anything to make, so it's even better in a lot of ways. I mean, it's just... Any studio that's not having these conversations of, like, how can we crank more of these out? I, you know, they're, you're doing something wrong. I, I mean, hopefully they're good, obviously, but they make money, you know, and they cost nothing to make. It's it's yeah. it's an easy play. If the Marvels make $78 million opening weekend, I think they'll be really happy with that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I would definitely take Five Nights at Freddy's. Hopefully, Marvels is like a better quality movie, just in terms, of, at least like the reception of it. But like, I think Disney would be thrilled if that if the Marvels beat Five Nights at Freddy's, like wow. their opening opening really? weekend take, which is what a crazy thing to like. Imagine saying that in 2019, you know, or something. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, but that's that's where we're at at this point. So, what is it up against here, coming out? Let's see. On the old shedge, we have Priscilla, November 3rd. Yeah. Won't take anything. And then the Marvels, November 10th. Right. So this might have a chance to do do uh, pretty well, you know, to be low, low teens until uh, the Marvels comes out. A couple mm-hmm. weeks here. And then uh, Hutcherson will come back around with Hunger Games. Ballads of Songbirds, Snakes, and Snakes. I don't think he's in that, but I wonder if he gets a piece. I wonder if, he's, if he negotiated a good deal on that. All right, let's get a grade here before Weekly Recommends. I'm going to give Five Nights at Freddy's B-, minus because I still think this is a fun property. Brian? Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's a, it's a C+, plus B-, minus. I'll go B. I'll go B minus on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna when I put in my blurb. I'm gonna make it fresh. B minus is kind of my line of whether or not I leave a fresh review. So I'll go. I'll go B minus. It, like it, it's. I think it does exactly what it is trying to do. And yeah, do I wish that it maybe was geared a little bit more towards being good instead of yeah, that'd be cool. But I. I don't know. It's even at its worst. I think it's like 
inoffensive, you know, it's just kind of, okay, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Fine. Minus basically. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right, Richard. Yeah. I'm right behind Brian. I'm going to go C plus, uh, I think successful in everything it tried to do, you know, just a few mm-hmm. moments of like not being me being old and not being for me and, uh, some cheesiness and some things like that. But, uh, yeah, honestly, I, I opposite of you, Ken, I was like dreading this. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and then, you know, was, was not, I won't say pleasantly surprised, but like didn't, didn't hate it. So C plus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's hit a weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. What you got for us, Brian? Recommend a movie that came out earlier this year, um, and then it, it just it just dropped on Hulu. I think this last week. Uh, it's somewhere in Queens with uh, with our guy Ray Romano. I don't know if you guys, either of y'all, have seen this. I haven't. I want to uh, though. It's good. It's it's it's, it's Ray Romano, Laurie Met- Metcalf. Yeah. Greatness, both of them. Um, Romano directed it. It's just one of those. It's a super simple little movie. I'm sure it costs three three dollars, you know, to make it. Um, it looks pretty decent, and it's just kind of a slice of life sort of deal with uh, two, you know, these aging or middle aged parents whose son uh, is about to go off to college, and they're kind of just kind of wrestling with like what life is like as empty nesters or what it's going to be like as empty nesters. And then Laurie Metcalf's character is in um, like cancer recovery remission too. And so just kind of a, it's a, it's emotional, but it's, I mean, it's Ramon. It's really, it's very, it's very funny in places. Both of those people really know how to, how to act and how to be funny. Um, it's very, like I said, very simple, very low budget, but um, really well done. And and uh, it's now super accessible because it's on Hulu. So check that out somewhere in Queens. All right. Awesome. We love me some Ray. Yeah. And everybody loves Raymond. Oh, gosh. <laughs> got him. See nice. yourself out, sir. <laughs> All right, Richard, what you got? Yeah, mine is, uh, okay, I found out, apparently there's, I thought we were the, the first and only podcast. Um that's mm-hmm. not the case, but uh, I'm going to recommend a podcast relatively new. Um, someone, if you're a sports fan, you may know of, um, but has a new kind of podcast. And I really love the format of it. I don't know if Kent, you might find this really interesting, someone who makes these, but uh, it's uh, Pablo For- Torre finds out and three days a week podcast. But I like the thing that's interesting about it. He's a really interesting, very smart person. He used to be with ESPN. Now he's with Metalark Media. But uh, he used to do the ESPN Daily podcast. You ever listen to that and a bunch of other things. But he does the, – the cool thing is I think it's like Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday are the episodes. And each day is like a different style. So he'll do like mm-hmm. – one day is like a long one-on-one interview with someone in sports. Um, one is just like a goofy, like kind of funny one. You know, all the different – maybe he's curious about something. And then one episode a week is like a deep dive investigation, almost like a, a reported piece of journalism on sometimes something really serious like – steroids or something and then sometimes there's something really silly like a mascot uh, but i like the he, it shows all different sides of his brain 
uh, within mostly within sports, but also within pop culture as well. And uh, I love Pablo. I think he's one of the more articulate people like out there in any kind of media. So Pablo Torre finds out on uh, Metal Arc Media. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's really good. I don't listen to every episode, but neither. By the way, it's but a I pretty frequent. I check it. Yeah, I yeah. see what the. Well, oh yeah, that sounds interesting. Cool. I'm I'm gonna listen to this. I one. love the music, really by the way, on it. I don't know mm-hmm, if you do, Ryan, yeah, but I yeah. find that music cool. really good. Yeah, it's awesome. Great stuff. And you know how hard it is for us to appreciate something that's related to Levitard. So yeah, exactly. It's good. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna recommend. It's actually a two part recommend. Part one is the Rolling Stones have a new album out, Hackney yeah. Diamonds. Mm. So that's the first part. But the recommend part is a documentary about them called Stones in Exile. And mm. it's about them doing Exile on Main Street. A lot of awesome old footage from uh, 1971-72. Just them hanging out in France, you know, at yeah. their peak, recording in Keith Richards' basement. It just an awesome look it's 60 minutes long great album really cool look back at that time in their career so check out their new record and nice. stones in exile if you haven't ever listened to that album or seen the stock check it out awesome. the stones all right there we go weekly recommends and some five nights at freddy's for you check us out on the vip feed this week if you're listening to us for the first time we have a vip feed in which we do another episode every single week. This episode this week is going to be on Frost Nixon because it's celebrating an anniversary. So Ron Howard's Frost Nixon will be that conversation. Check that out this week. Madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. That's where you do that. Until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Slash Fozbear's horrific cursed pizza. Goodbye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya ya the They're calling again.